1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the latest edition of our Arbitral Insights podcast series. Uh, It's great to have you listening in, and we hope you'll enjoy this session. I'm certainly looking forward to it immensely. And there are many reasons for that, but it's the latest in our series of inspirational people in international arbitration. And I'm delighted to have with us today someone who certainly fits that bill in every possible way, and that is Nithi Sachdeva who is the Secretary-General and Registrar at the Mumbai Centre for International Arbitration. Hello, Nithi.
0: Thank you, Gautam. Uh, it's it's really a pleasure and honour to be here, and thank you for thinking of me. Calling me inspirational, I feel so elated, and also a sense of greater responsibility of what I have to say in the next 20-25 minutes.
1: Well, you know, I'm, I know it's going to be a great uh, session today, Nithi. You know, I think... One of the things that always uh, interests our listeners, Niti, is the background to those of our guests who, who come on to our podcast series. And so I wonder if I could just uh, begin by asking you to share with us a little bit about your career background before you joined the MCIA.
0: Yes, Gautam, I'd be delighted to do that. I, I think I will pick it up from the point of how I got interested into arbitration, because that lead it into very nicely of how my career really planned out, uh, though I must say not that everything I decided to do happened. Many things just came by as well. So I was in the you know, fourth year of my law college and with the first batch of our university. And, you know, from somewhere, we just heard about a whiz competition happening. and need to go to Vienna to do it. There are no India national rounds. So me and one of my classmates at that time, we were just very avid mooters. We didn't want to leave any opportunity. So we said, let's try this out. What is this whole beast of arbitration is all about? We just loved the way we started off. I remember starting in October, going up to February, March, the whole five months of preparation, reading about arbitration. I think at that point in time, I knew that this is exactly what I want to do. But I did not know in what form, shape that I'm going to do it. But arbitration is all I wanted to do. And then when I graduated, I had the, you know, a, a very great pleasure of working with two distinguished judges as their law clerk. Both of them now, uh, one of them is retired. Uh, she was the first uh, female chief justice of Jammu and Kashmir. This is Geeta mittal And this is Murali who's currently the Orissa High Court Chief Justice. And I learned a lot from them. And then I went on to do my master's. And I think um, it's it's a part of my life that I always... Choose a little different things is what what my family tells me all the time. When everybody used to go to U.S. or U.K. for their LLM, which seemed to be a natural choice, I picked up Stockholm University in Sweden. And everybody went like, why Stockholm? I'm like, I think I love their program. It's just a great program in international commercial arbitration. That's all that I want to do. And as they say that, you know, uh, rest is history. (laughs) From there, I went on to intern with ICC. Um, I worked with Freshfields for a short period of time in Paris office. And then LCIA was opening its office in India. And I would say as luck would have it, I would just happen to be in India at that time when they were interviewing LCIA, like me, I would say, and I became the first deputy registrar for them in their India office. Um, spent some time in the institution, learned how an institution works uh, from some great people uh, back at home in LCIA. Then I decided to go back into private practice. So I worked with two of the big law firms in India, ELP and Tri-Legal, both in Delhi and Mumbai. And then the MCIA just came by, you know, and, and I was like, why not? I've learned how an international institution set up its office in India. If we have an opportunity to set up something grounds up, let's do that. I I think the whole feel of creating something grounds up for the first time in India is what was very challenging. And I really liked it. So that's that's my career path into arbitration.
1: That's fascinating, Nithi. And you're truly a global citizen uh, in a global world of arbitration. So uh, very appropriate. And that's a really exciting journey you've had into your current role. Now, the MCIA I know know, our listeners will be very aware of just what an amazing progress has been made uh, in terms of the MCIA's reputation, its work, the development of institutional arbitration in India. And this podcast is going to be going out just prior to the fifth year anniversary of the MCIA. And you've certainly seen a lot of change, development, progress in that time. I wonder whether you could share with our listeners a little bit of, you know, some of your thoughts about the current work of the MCIA and some of the objectives you've got going forward for the MCIA. Because one of the things that's obviously part of this is, uh, you know, India has been developing immensely as a centre for international arbitration. The courts have become very pro arbitration There's a real desire for arbitration to develop in India. So I wonder if you could just share some thoughts on that, please, Niti.
0: Yes, thank you, Gautam, for that. I would say that for MCIA, our first and foremost objective has been that we have to bring in the international best practices of arbitration in India. And for that uh, overarching objective, I would say that uh, we could probably classify them into three uh, you know, different aspects of it, which we focus on. And I would say that the objectives and the work done by MCIA have been quite in hand in hand. The first one would really be bringing in the efficiency in the dispute resolution process in India. We all know of and you know that how Indian courts um, have always been criticised. Uh, and for long have been criticized for a backlog of cases. Though I think that the criticism is really um, a little more harsh than it should be uh, with the population that we have, the kind of disputes that we have, the the sheer number of disputes is just huge. Um, In commercial disputes, at least, uh, arbitration has now become the go-to space for dispute resolution. So I think what MCIA's objective has been uh, to create efficiency There is a time-bound dispute resolution which is there. And for having that efficiency, again, I would say that we have focused on two main pillars of arbitration. One would be to create an arbitration bar. And I'm mindful to say that because we do realize that MCIA is not going to be creating an arbitration bar, but we can actually create an ecosystem Uh, whereby facilitating uh, to create an arbitration bar maybe five years from now or 10 years from now. And what we have done in that space is created the young MCIA. Uh, And with the young MCIA, the motto really is catch them young, train them young. right? So they they understand the international best practices. um, They act as a catalyst to tomorrow creating uh, that nuanced bar for arbitration in India. And I think the second one, of course, which goes hand in hand, is creating a pool of arbitrators. It is a cliche, uh, but I would still repeat it. Your arbitrations are only as good as your arbitrators. And if we do not, as an institution, create that larger pool, we somewhere feel that we would not be able to achieve for what we have set out to do. Uh, and and th- for that, we conduct training programs. Uh, we have we've tied up with CIAB as well. Uh, and we do, you know, CIR training courses in India. And I think it's it's immensely helped us also to create a larger pool. So that is what I would say is the broad objectives for MCIA.
1: Thank you, Nithi. And, um, you know, one of the things, and I must say, I wish you all the success in the world as you, as you progress. And I know that with you leading the charge, the MCIA's work is going to be particularly fruitful. And I look forward to seeing that develop. I must say, because in the last 30 years uh, of my practice, uh, I've seen a lot of change. And I remember when I first qualified, um, India was just opening up in terms of the outside world. A lot has changed. And it's wonderful to see all the change that you're behind, Niti. One of the things that you mentioned a little earlier was, uh, and this really goes back to something we can all relate to, is that we're all the product of the mentorship and the inspiration that we receive from people upon whose shoulders we stand um, in order to achieve whatever we can achieve in our careers and our lives. And you mentioned that one of your great mentors uh, was a very prominent female judge. And unfortunately, there aren't enough of them in India. There are, it's changing, and it's very likely that the next Chief Justice of, of India is going to be a lady, which is wonderful to see. But I wonder what your thoughts are on the the topic of increasing diversity in international arbitration which is one of the topics which as you know is an evergreen topic and rightly so because we've got to bring change into the world of arbitration and other areas of course but i wonder whether you could share some thoughts on how you see diversity developing in international arbitration
0: Yes, Gautam, definitely. Um, but I must first thank you for your kind words As saying that a lot, uh, you know, has been done in the institutional arbitration. I have led it. I think MCIA is a collective effort of a lot of stakeholders uh, and it's not only my effort. Uh, but yes, I'm very glad to be able to make that small change and I shall try and continue to do that. But coming to your question on diversity. I think it's a very, very important topic. And I'm very glad that uh, we have started to talk about it and recognize that we need to do something about it. Of course, MCIA, as well as me personally, we are, uh, you know, we have have pledged to take the pledge to increase the diversity. So we are working uh, towards that direction. In fact, we very recently at MCIA, we expanded our MCI council. And of the four new MCI council members, we have. Three were women. So that's our commitment to increasing the diversity in that sense. But I, I mean, I, I personally feel this way, Gautam, that uh, women can play a very important role in dispute resolution. And the reason I say is that, that we have had some great litigators, women who are working in the litigation field, and they had to somewhere take a break from their career for natural reasons of you know, raising a family, which is equally important. And it can become quite daunting to manage your diaries with the court practice that we have in India uh, and, and to manage your you know, family um, responsibilities back at home. So I think arbitration and mediation also in that sense provides a great opportunity for women especially where they can forge a career in the field as an arbitrator, as a mediator, manage their diaries pretty well and continue to you know, contribute to the field of dispute resolution. I also think that women are natural at dispute resolution. Uh, you know, so they don't—they uh, have that innate ability to resolve disputes. I think it's ingrained in us from the very time that we are born, and, and, and we have it naturally coming. So they can definitely add a lot uh, to this field. So we have a long way to go, and we have to start somewhere. And I think the the, the work has started in that field already.
1: Now that's great. Uh, no, no, thank you, Niti. I know it's a developing topic and it's one that's very live in all our jurisdictions the pledge of course is something that uh, so many of us are passionate about and as we've seen change we need to see more change a change brings more change in itself and you know I you know I often think if I look back over the last you know several years and cases I've been involved in we just don't see enough female arbitrators and there just aren't enough of them. So just to follow on on something that you very interestingly raised just now, I've often wondered how we can all do more to ensure that we are widening the pool of arbitrators. And that's something you mentioned. It's very important. And, I'm, and by the way, I do agree with you that uh, um, women are natural dispute resolvers. I completely concur with you. But how do we, apart from ourselves in cases... putting forward female arbitrator appointments, what more can we collectively do to ensure that uh, we are widening that pool as far as possible? Um, Are there ways, for example, that uh, institutions like the MCIA can really reach out to some of the prominent lawyers in India, female lawyers in India, and, and encourage them to begin taking appointments? And also there's the broader topic of how can we involve more foreign arbitrators, women arbitrators and diverse arbitrators
0: in cases cited in India. So I'd be interested in your thoughts on that, please, Nithi. Absolutely. I, I think as an institution, uh, we have a greater responsibility, Gautam, uh, and we are very conscious of that as well. Um, what we have done and we will continue to do, like I said, is that, that when we are doing arbitrator appointments, uh, we make it a point always, you know, to put forth more names of women arbitrators who could be considered by the council. So under the MCIA, we have the MCIA council appointing the arbitrators. And we make it a point that when the recommendations are sent to them, uh, there is an equal representation uh, from both women and men arbitrator. I think uh, another thing that we have to do, Gotham, is that both as an arbitration practitioner, either on an institution or a law firm, I think we have to genuinely promote women to be able to, for lack of a better word, out, go out there and market themselves. It's very important to be visible. Until and unless you are visible, you are known, it will be very difficult to get your first arbitrator appointments as well or for somebody to be able to appoint you as well. So even for law firm partners, uh, young practitioners, lawyers practicing in the courts, I think it's great for them to reach out to institutions. In fact, Gautam, I, I'm not too sure if you read it, but MCIA started this thing of calling for arbitrators. So we had this out call for arbitrators where, you know, rather than me just reaching out to the people that I may be aware of or reaching out to people who they may be aware of, why don't we open it up and ask for people to write to us to say that we want to be arbitrators? And that is one way I think, you know, we can promote them to take that step to start considering arbitrator appointments as a conscious decision of their career path to go forward. And that's some of the things which come to my mind as of now.
1: No, that's that's fantastic. And, no, and thank you, Nithi. You know, I guess, you know, just as we wrap up sort of the last part of the podcast, um, I always find it very interesting uh, to ask our guests some more sort of some more general questions a little bit more separate from the strict world of international arbitration or dispute resolution Uh, and uh, you know this is no different so I'd be very interested in a few things one is and of course you've already mentioned the uh, inspiration that you've had in terms of when you were training, you interned with some very prominent judges. But I wonder if you could just share with us sort of what inspires you, what pushes you to do what you do and get better and better and better. I wonder if you could just share some thoughts on that.
0: I think there are two things I would like to say. One is that that um, what pushes me to do things is, uh, I would definitely say, my parents. From the very initial years of my, uh, you know, education. They've given me an environment and the possibilities to think out of the box and to push the boundaries. But I think the underlying principle which they always told me was that have the passion and be sincere towards what you do. And I think I have followed that till now and, and I've been pretty happy with what I've been doing. But what inspires me and in institutional arbitration, Gautam, I think is that that every time, and I'll be very candid about it, every time that I read anywhere that two Indian parties uh, get out of India to resolve their dispute, I think it somewhere saddens me a bit, uh, if I may say so. Uh, And I feel that why with the best of the legal minds, best of the lawyers that we have, uh, you know, why can't we have these disputes resolved within India? What is it that they have to get out of India and resolve this? And that has been inspiring me or that has been pushing me to create an environment within India where, you know, at least for Indians and um, hopefully in the next couple of years where you have foreign parties who can very confidently say that we can resolve our commercial disputes uh, through arbitration within India. Why do we need to think of somewhere else? So I think that that's my inspiration.
1: No, that's uh, you know, really interesting because, you know, like you, I've often sort of wondered when the time will come when um, Indian parties will arbitrate in India. So let me just uh, finish off with a couple of things. One of the things that I know a lot of our younger practicing lawyers always find very interesting is when they get some tips for what they should be doing as they try to build their careers in international arbitration. So I wonder if you have any, any practical tips for Uh, aspiring international arbitration lawyers.
0: Thank you for that, Gautam. Uh, I think I'm still learning myself. So from my experience, what I can probably, a couple of things I I would love to share is that I think that anybody who wants to get into the ADR space or the arbitration space should feel passionate about it. If you're not passionate about this field, I, I don't think, or for anything that you do in life, it gets very difficult then to pursue it. And be sincere. Focus on the possibilities that exist, and not only on the limitations. So that would be the that would be the overarching, uh, I would say, the the thought in my mind. But in terms of more tangible, I would say that for younger lawyers, um, getting associated with the young organizations. So every arbitral institution, or most of them actually, have a young body attached to it. Uh, just like MCIA has it, CIAC has it, ICC has it, ICA has it. And I think they're great platforms for them to learn, interact with their uh, you know, colleagues of the arbitration world um, and to pick ideas from there. I think another thing which is picking up especially in India as well now is the tribunal secretary. Uh, I think that's a great way to learn on the ground of what an ar- skills are required of an arbitration lawyer, what skills are required of an arbitrator for them to build their career? And then, uh, as any lawyer would say, and, and so would I, there is no substitute to reading, reading, and reading. So continue to read good articles, uh, judgments, decisions, and continue to write. So probably those are my, my two bits for what the young lawyers could do.
1: Well, those are all excellent bits. I'm sure I could uh, use all those tips myself, Nithy. So, uh, so thank you for that. Although I'm definitely not young anymore. So, uh, okay. So, this is just the last question, Nithy, as we close out the this fantastic session. I can't thank you enough for this great session. You know, we've all been through a very testing time this last eighteen months or so, and we're still in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, And hopefully, better days are not too far away. When we have these better days and we can all travel more freely again, is there one place that you'd really love to go to when you can?
0: Wow, I have a whole list planned out, Gotham, I can tell you that. (laughs) Wow, I'm pleased to hear that. (laughs) When we hit the pandemic uh, and we got into the whole lockdown in March, I had a full calendar of events planned out for that year. So, of course, uh, some of them I'd visited uh, earlier. Uh, and some new places but i think i have to pick up only one place i would love to go back to bali that's where i did my first diving course and i have been meaning to complete my advanced course and i just love to dive there so i think that's going to be my first short trip complete my advanced course on open water diving and then maybe going off to south korea
1: Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I'm jealous. Uh, that's, that's brilliant. Well, look, thank you very, very much, Niti. Uh, it's been a really, really enjoyable session. I hope our listeners will have enjoyed it as much as um, I've enjoyed speaking with you and listening to you and learning from you. We wish you and the MCAA every success as you go forward to the next several years. Uh, it's five years uh, of the MCA and many, many more to come. So all the very best, you, Nithi. Thank you very much indeed for being part of this session. And I look forward to seeing you again very soon, either in India or in the UK.
0: Thank you so much, Gautam. It really has been a pleasure. Uh, I didn't even realize how this time just passed by. Uh, and, and thanks to Reed Smith and to you for you know, giving me this opportunity and for inviting me. I thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: Very much our pleasure. Uh, thanks again, Nithi. All the very best. To all our listeners, please look out for the next uh, podcast in this series. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Arbitral Insights is a Readsmith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Readsmith's global international arbitration practice, email Jose Estigarraga at jia at readsmith.com. You can find our podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, readsmith.com, and our social media accounts at Readsmith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.